Worship at Home, Sunday the 20th of March 2022, the third Sunday of Lent. The Bible reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. At that very time there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent you will all perish as they did. All those eighteen who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for these three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig round it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It feels that we're well and truly in Lent with today's Gospel reading. The heading for this passage in my Bible is Repent or Perish. And it's what the Lutheran pastor David Luce describes as a passage rife with both promise and peril. But it's the title of Luce's reflection on this passage that most summarises this reading to me. Suffering, the cross and the promise of love. This is a reading that can be and has been interpreted very, very badly. Read simplistically, the repent or perish idea is almost a popular one. The sort of thing that you hear and see about somebody saying that bad things have happened to them because they must have done something wrong. It's a bad way of explaining why bad things happen to good people to cover up the suffering people experience with trite ideas or judgmentalism. Why did that child die? Well, the parents must have done something wrong. Or, God needs another angel in heaven. It doesn't help anybody understand some of the greatest suffering we see. Why is that good person who we've loved disappearing into the fog of dementia? What did they do to deserve this? At the heart of our question is a cry and a fear. Is our suffering and trauma some form of punishment? Well, it's before going any further, it's worth noticing that to try answering such huge questions or a whole theology of suffering from one small passage in the Bible is never a good idea. That's the way in which we see some televangelists and guilt-tripping Christian extremists abuse the Bible as the word of God. But there are three points to draw out that I think can be helpfully drawn from this passage on 
the theme of punishment and sin. The first is that suffering is not a punishment for sin. Jesus is very clear on this. We see it in his sharp retort to his audience when they mention the Galatians. In verse 2, the Galatians who've died at Pilate's hand, he said, do you think that they've done something other Galatians haven't? And he reiterates the point by mentioning the wall in Siloam coming down. In verse 4, the 18 people who died, do we think that they're worse sinners, that they'd done something wrong to deserve their fate? No, Jesus is being abundantly clear. These deaths have not occurred because they're worse sinners or offenders in some way. And anyway, sin is sin. Somebody once shared with me to look at it as if passing or failing a test. If the pass mark is 50% and you get 49, you failed the test. If you get 10%, it's still simply a fail. And sin is a bit like that. We're not starting to try and measure different gradients of it. To look at someone lustfully when you're married is a sin, in the same way as having an extramarital affair is. Now, admittedly, that is putting a massively high standard on us all. But that's precisely why we come together, to seek God's forgiveness, to repent in our prayers of repentance, and why it is so joyful to hear the words of absolution and be reminded again and again that God is a God of love and forgiveness. The second point then, after the first, that suffering is not a punishment for sin, the second point is that does not necessarily mean that punishment and sin are entirely disconnected. There is something that connects them. Sin causes suffering. Punishment, in a way, for the wrong people. Pilate's acts against the Galileans, like Putin's today, are sinful. Moreover, we could start to wonder, what if the tower accident that Jesus is referring to, we don't know what it is, was built by a fraudulent contractor, somebody who deliberately cut corners and lives were lost. There is a link, then, between the sin and the deaths. The point here is that punishment is not meted out according to the sin, but simply this, sin has consequences. There are all kinds of bad behaviours, individually, corporately, that are contributing to misery in our world today. And the more we can confront this sin and, and actually respond in a way that reduces suffering, the less suffering there will be. Which brings me to the third point, God's role in this. God neither causes nor delights in this suffering that we see. And this is where we turn to the parable of the fig tree and another common misinterpretation. Often people will immediately imagine that God is the owner of the garden looking at the fig tree and judging it. But no, that's not what's meant here. Aside of anything else, Luke, our gospel writer, in no other place puts God as a wrathful or punishing God. He is a God of love. So we need to look at the parable from this angle. 
there we see that this story is one where we might realise that God is the person tending the garden. It is us who comes along and judges. That tree isn't producing any fruit. Cut it down. But our God, God of love, God of second chances, says no. Let's give it some fertiliser. Let's give it some care and then see what might fruit from this tree. So if we look at it in that way, we can begin to imagine and understand that God's answer to sin isn't punishment, but love. This is the God who is with us in whatever we're experiencing today, with whatever weights sit on our shoulders for ourselves and for our world. This is the God who understands what suffering is like. Christ suffered with us and for us in the most terrible way. This is suffering, the cross, and the promise of love. May we carry it in witness in all we do. Amen. Our intercessions today are themed on the forgiveness of God and written by Nick Fawcett. Let us pray. Merciful God, we pray for those who walk through life with a sense of guilt, burdened by past mistakes, overwhelmed by a sense of failure, troubled by feelings of shame, depressed by the knowledge of their own weakness. Help them to understand that in you they can find true forgiveness and a new beginning. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who commit evil, with no sense of wrongdoing, no concept of sin, no hint of remorse, no sign of scruples. Though hard to pray for such people, as we pray we ask you Lord to help them glimpse what is right and good and to be touched by the renewing, transforming grace of Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who have been wronged by others, hurt, deceived, betrayed, let down. Help them to be ready to forgive others as you have forgiven them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those whose relationships are being tested with family and friends, with those at work or in their place of leisure, with other Christians, even in their own fellowship. Help them move towards understanding the cause of division between them. Helping people take responsibility for their own actions and decisions and to work towards the healing of rifts 
forgiving and seeking forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, help all those who are burdened by past mistakes to discover the forgiveness you so freely offer and to show that mercy themselves. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the Collect for the Third Sunday of Lent. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain, and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And so let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. So may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this podcast, Worship at Home. If you would like to receive weekly links to my podcast, do get in touch at revlucylun at btinternet.com. Goodbye. Thank you.